Welcome to another episode of the Metaverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin. This is session number 113. Welcome to the Metaverse Podcast. I am your host Tom Traplin and this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly local game store. If you like what you hear on today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever fine platform you're listening on. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button and leave a comment letting us know your thoughts. As always, you can find the notes and links mentioned in today's episode at madversaga.com. Today, we are talking to Jake Tanner. Jake is the owner of Unplugged Gaming in Manlius, New York. Jake has come into the tabletop gaming business from a different angle than most of the game store owners that have been featured on the podcast so far. Before launching Unplugged Gaming, Jake, along with his business partner, owned and operated a highly lauded digital marketing firm called Digital Hive that they grew to over 50 employees over a handful of years. And Digital Hive was recently acquired by the advertising firm Butler Till last year, which allowed Jake to explore his other passions, which is the perfect lead-in to what we're talking about today. Unplugged Gaming launched this past November, the retail version of the store. And they did over $14,000 in sales on day one. Since then, they have done over $270,000 in in-store sales and are on track for a spectacular year one. We are going to dig into the Unplugged Gaming launch strategy and talk about how Jake and company got their business off to a great start. Welcome to the podcast, Jake. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's great to be here. I'm glad that we could connect and uh, and have this conversation. I'm excited to dig into the details and uh, find out what's going on. Or what? What you did to make this kind of thing happen? Because this is uh, this is exciting. Like it's fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah. what, what's the energy like over there? Uh, the first couple of months at Unplugged. I, th- I think it's been more hectic than anything because everyone everyone hasn't had a minute to digest it enough. I would say to be like, mm. oh wow, that's like so awesome. We did so great. It was one of those. We we did amazing on our like grand opening weekend, and then it was like. The next weekend was Black Friday weekend, so we so were keep it going. We right? were, like you just shot yeah. off like a rocket. It was just like okay, now we're into Black Friday, and now we're into Christmas, and now we're into the new year, and it hasn't really slowed down. So let's keep going and, yeah. and doing new things. We had a maybe a tiny break for a week or two in January, not really a break. We we're still doing really well, but then it was right into February releases, which has just been insane for the gaming industry in February. Yeah, it sure has. So before we jump into everything, usually I like to start out with a little bit of the origin story of, you know, why you got into this business, you know, why, why tabletop gaming in general, right? Like, uh, for you, you know, you, you, you've come from a, like a completely different background, a completely different industry, and then you're now shifting into uh, this more fun, well, hopefully fun and uh, uh, energetic, you know, tabletop hobby. It's very different from digital marketing and like the agency life, so... Well, what were you up to before, and why did you end up, you know, starting the business? What was the dream there? Yeah, yeah, we we originally. So I, my background is about about ten years in digital marketing before this, and seven years ago I started Digital Hive with my business partner, and it was it was online advertising, and that's what we did for local businesses, small businesses, and medium sized businesses. And after getting to the point before we even knew it was going to get acquired COVID happened the, you know mm-hmm. that thing happened and before that my my wife and I have always played board games together so it, with her parents so her parents always had a weekly game night we always went over to her parents house played game nights every week we still do <laughs> we just did yesterday um 
So we're, we did that, and that was a big passion of ours, and we've always collected Pokemon cards. Like, Pokemon cards, way before this huge craze, we would be the ones that would go to Target and, like, buy out Target before Pokemon was popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in, like, 2015, 16, no one else was doing it. No one cared that we were... And we were just ripping open everything that we had, and now we cry because some of those things we ripped open for 50 bucks are now, like, $600, and we're like, why <laughs> did we rip open 10 of those? Like, that's so sad. <laughs> but we enjoyed it. And 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 when when COVID happened, my wife wasn't working. I was working from home. Um, we were we were both at home, and we were just we were buying a lot of trading cards. And our first thought was, how do we how do we do something with this? You know, like what should we start selling some of our extra cards? What do we do with this? And we really went down the road of I made a joke, a half joke of, hey, let's just start a game store. A local game store during this and it'll be fun like you can mainly work on on shipping the products and stuff while i'm at home and in between my work i can work on advertising it and doing that kind of stuff and we can just sell some of our stuff that we have online and maybe make something out of it since we were both kind of like at home and bored at our off time because we weren't going anywhere we were just hermits staying at home at that time and we finally were like okay let's just try it so we did it, and when we ended up doing it, it was we realized then we had to go down the path of like trying to get distributors or doing things, and we were like, we can't get into most of these distributors because we didn't realize we needed a retail store at the time, and the only thing we could really get was Pokemon. So we started doing that. We got, we started getting some Pokemon cards, very little of them, and this was before, right before the craze and the boom. Which is so crazy because some of our distributors now tell us today that they're, we were one of the last game stores that they took on before they, they closed the doors and stopped taking on game stores. Mm. And we signed up for probably, I think, 10 to 12 distributors when we first started because it was so little allocation for things, too. Um, but we decided, we started signing up for distributors in September of 2020 um, for doing like online sales stuff. And when that happened, really the way we launched the online store was we built a Facebook group. Um, we built a Pokemon card trading card Facebook group that now has uh, over 11,000 members in it. Um, and with our launch, we sold out of all of our products in a day. So we launched, the, we launched the online Shopify store. We put all our Pokemon products on it. And then we sold out that day when we posted on the Facebook group. And we were like, what the heck? We just did like a few thousand dollars in sales in a day. We were not expecting that at all. Um, so that kind of led to, shoot, let's maybe look for a place, like a physical location, because we started getting more product than what we could put in our house um, or anywhere around there. So we ended up actually renting a space in our small hometown of Chittenango, which is right next to Manlius, pretty much. And we got a place there where we pretty much stored everything and kept everything um, and started shipping out of there for the most part until we until we outgrew that and decided to open the game store in November. So it's, it's the love of the gaming, right? That's essentially, it's funny how that is such a common reason for, for store owners to, uh, to open their business. It's just a passion for the hobby and it just becomes like, well, I feel like I can make a run of this. I feel like this is a viable business. Yeah. And I think I think what drew me to it the most too was, I 
was mostly on the business-to-business um, service side in marketing. Most of the businesses that we advertise were business-to-business and service side. And I really wanted to get the experience advertising more consumer-facing consumer retail product focus side, which I didn't have as much experience on advertising. Had had a, some, but not not a ton compared to the B2B service side, which that's what I did for eight years or seven years. Um, so that was one of the reasons too, was I was really curious, can I do this? I'd like to see what this looks like um, versus the service side thing. And with it just blowing up like that, we we were like, wow, we could actually make a go of this and make it something. So when it came to like advertising, you mentioned that you were handling the marketing advertising side of things and your wife was doing the you know the the shipping the operations I guess of the initial online store. So what kind of you know advertising efforts did you put into it? We really just advertised the Facebook group. So we pretty much did Facebook ads to advertise people coming into the Facebook group, and it was really different. What we would do is we would advertise we would advertise a landing page with an email address, like an email landing page. So you have to put your name and email in, mm-hmm. and it would say join our Facebook group and it was giveaways. So we'd be doing giveaways for Pokemon cards in the Facebook group. We would say, put in your email and name and you'll get invited to this exclusive Facebook group because you couldn't directly advertise a Facebook group on Facebook. It was, there's like some things you have to work around there. And so they put their name and email and they'd get a link into the Facebook group. And so you have to join the Facebook group to join the giveaways. And that's how we originally, before we launched the store, we had about 1500 people in our, in our Facebook group. And now we're, now we're close to like getting closer to twelve thousand now people in that Facebook group. Were they locals to the area, or were you just like everybody could join? It was just anyone that was interested in Pokemon cards could join, gotcha. or interested in Pokemon at the time. And it's still it's still Pokemon fate, like still Pokemon focused. That's a really interesting strategy. I've I've never heard of a of a store kind of focusing on building a Facebook group prior to building a business and then using that as like a launching pad. That's a really cool way of doing. It. Yeah, it worked. We didn't, we honestly had no idea what was going to happen when we turned on the website. And I remember we turned on the website, it was around midnight on Halloween. So it was like November, yeah, like November 1st. But it it was the middle of the night of Halloween, we launched the website. And we just started getting sales right away after we posted the link in the Facebook group. And we were like, what the heck? We didn't think we'd start getting sales that quickly. So before we get into the, the, the launch of the retail store, I'm, I'm still kind of curious about this Facebook group. Uh, what did you do other, like once somebody signed up and they, they joined the group, what did you do to like encourage the group? Or did you, were you constantly participating, you know, where there, besides the giveaways perhaps, was there, uh, you know, efforts to start conversations? Like how did you, how did you keep this group kind of active? The group was great. We rarely posted in it which was awesome because there was so many people posting themselves that the engagement was so high already that, and it still is the engagement's just been growing and growing as the group grows. And it's really just people posting polls. They might've gotten pictures of cards they got. We allow people to um, sell just trick cards there, but no sealed product. So they actually can still sell Pokemon trading cards in that buy and sell cards in that group. We do buy cards now in the retail store, um, but we still don't see it as a, we saw it as more of an engagement thing in the group now. So we never mm. said, hey, you can't do this anymore because we knew the engagement would would, would pretty much die in that group. And and so that's really, is mostly a buy-sell trade group. And 
we do post like welcome new members. We post that once, uh, probably once every two weeks, something like that. Once every week, once every two weeks. And we just tag all the new members every once in a while. We'll post, we probably post probably four or five times a month in the group. And it's either welcome new members or not including our, um, drops that we might do for the store to say, Hey, we have this new product in stock Buy this thing. You know, we'll probably do a post tomorrow for brilliant stars or something when we get the rest of ours in from that it was really welcome new members or sometimes we would just shoot a poll out there and say what's your favorite pokemon card set or something just to kind of keep engagement going and we realized that we got way more reach if i personally posted it versus our actual facebook page posting it Mm -hmm. so we kind of stopped with the unplugged gaming facebook page posting and it's been coming from my personal page posting the links or the promotions to our web store yeah that makes a lot of sense Personal profiles get far more favorable treatment than business pages. At least right now, that seems to be the case. Yeah, so we didn't really have to do a lot. We had a couple admins eventually as we got bigger. We now have three admins in there, and they just volunteered to be the ones that kind of ban people and moderate the the posts and all those things. That's cool, though. So it sounds very low-maintenance, easy, like lots of upside. Yeah, it hasn't. It, yeah, really hasn't been way more upside than, than downside so far in it. Let's jump into the retail. Let's go and talk about, like, you know, launch day, opening day one. So when you were planning for this, you know, okay, you knew, you knew, you knew the date. You knew the day you were going to open the doors for the, for the first time for real. Or maybe let's start with the soft opening, right? Because you mentioned that uh, you had the grand yes. opening, but beforehand you had the soft opening. Uh, so what was your overall, like, strategy and approach to kicking this thing off? It, it was rough because we we thought we had a date and it kept getting pushed back because we wanted to open sooner than what we wanted to. And it was because we we, we redid the whole store. We remodeled the whole store pretty much from floor to ceiling. And so the remodeling work was taking longer and longer than we thought to do. Um, it was actually part of an old Rite Aid building or I guess like Walgreens. This is like a pharmacy, pretty much like a pharmacy grocery store type thing. And... The floors, everything was terrible. So we redid the floors, the ceiling, the walls, uh, repainted everything, re-put in LED lighting. Um, we didn't, we never got all, of, we just got all of our fixtures in uh, last week, I think, finally. And we were supposed <laughs> to get those in in October. So we still didn't even have all of our fixtures for the longest time. We had to, we had to do, we had to open with what we had to do because I was, I really didn't want to open. I wanted to open before Black Friday, no matter what. Yeah. And I didn't want to open on the week. I didn't want to open on Black Friday. <laughs> that was the big thing. And yeah, that, that seemed that would seem like it'd probably be too hectic. It, yeah, it would definitely it would definitely would have been way too hectic. So we pretty much just pushed ourselves and said, "Look, we have to open. Like we just have to. <laughs> we it doesn't whatever we have out there, whatever we're doing, that's what it is. This is this is now we have to open. We're going to have to wait and and finish the rest of the store later. And we finally got all the actual construction like build out done and we finally got our just gondola shelving in as aisles in the store and we said let's just get everything out there everything in that we have as our product let's get everything out on the in the store shelves get what we can out there if we can't fit any everything maybe we'll keep some stuff in the back room but let's just fit it what we can our most popular products on the shelves and we really rushed in about three days we filled in the whole store which um 
as much as we could. Our store is about 4,200 square feet, about. It's a good size. We have tables and chairs for about 50 um, people to, to play games right now in the back of the store. And so we just did what we could, got everything we could out there, and we said, this is it. We made the decision a week prior, two weeks prior, and said, we're opening next weekend. We're doing our soft opening the weekend after we have to do our grand opening. It's the weekend before Black Friday. That's all, that's all the time we have. We just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And we <laughs> rushed everyone to get to get in there. We hired four people all at once to start to launch the, the store. It was a crazy, crazy time. Uh, and and thankfully, like my background in business and hiring, I've hired a lot of people in my time, so that I think helped a lot. Didn't fall into the trap of, of hiring the wrong people right at the start. Hopefully, you were able yeah, to no, we, find some good did, ones. We did really well um, with who we hired. We got a lot of people that had a lot of experience in the industry itself. Even in even um, you know, we have a person on staff that that's been pretty much grading cards and selling on TCG player for another store for the last four or five years. And they, we got them to come with us and things like that. So we got a lot of experience on the team already with that, those kind of things. And we, that's pretty much what we did. We said, look, we have to open this weekend. We're opening now as a soft launch. And we just, we soft launched without telling anyone. We just said, we're going to open, we're going to test the cash registers. We're going to get all those things done. And, answer any questions and solve problems as we go that first week. Mm-hmm. And so we had people trickle in here or there just to be like, what is this? We didn't even have like our sign up for a storefront or anything yet. And we said, okay, let's do this. And then we'll grind open the weekend after. And hopefully everything goes good or smoothly. So that, that was pretty much it. There was, it was, it was very hectic. There wasn't as much planning as I would have liked for the whole thing. <laughs> I think that's a really good example of the fact that you didn't have everything you wanted, but you still did a really good job of getting it off the ground, right? It wasn't perfect, but it doesn't necessarily need to be perfect in order to get really great results. You know, if you put in the work yeah. and you, you put in the energy and the, put in the effort, you know, you can still get a lot out of it. So I think that's a really, that's a good lesson for somebody who's, who's opening their store. Sometimes you just have to open imperfectly and roll with it and do your best. Sometimes yeah. it's still real. Sometimes it works out really well. So for the, uh, for the grand opening, so you had this, you know, like the set date, you knew that you had to open, you know, now or never, or, you know, it's going to be months or, you know, you, you wanted to hit that date prior to Black Friday. Uh, when you are, you know, getting ready to open those doors, what were you thinking about uh, in terms of like the grand opening day? What did you want to do? What were your, what were your goals for that day? Did you, like, did you overachieve? Did you underachieve? What did you, we, uh, we, we overachieved, we we literally, we thought we would be happy with about $3,000 in sales in that grand opening. That was kind of our goal, I think, between three and $4,000 in revenue or sales that day. And we, we crushed those. We did closer to 15000 on the grand opening day, which was insane because, to be honest, we have not hit that number yet again since we did that grand opening day. We've never hit $15,000 in one day in sales. And... We, we've come close in some days. Um, we, we have some Saturdays now or Sundays where we do 6,000 in sales regularly sometimes. So it's not, it's still half of what we did on our grand opening or something like that. But it's not, I would say it's not terrible either at the, at the other end. But I just think it was the excitement and buildup of, of a new store being in town that everyone came in 
there was a lot of people that came in that one time that we haven't seen again, I think just because they were curious. And, and it, it's crazy because we've been open three months now and, well, about four months now. And we still to this day get tons of people that come in every day, I would say, and, and say, I've never, I never knew you guys were here. I haven't heard of you guys. This is my first time in here. And it's, it's surprising to me that there's still that many people that haven't seen or heard of us. That'll happen probably for the first like year. You'd be, you'd be like, we've been here for forever now. And you still haven't heard about us. Like that, that's a common occurrence. People, yeah. <laughs> saturation takes a while. What did you do to really, what do you, well, I guess part of it is, what do you think contributed to like the first day's major success? And then also like, what were you putting the work into to get, you know, that many people into the shop? I think it was two major things. We really only did Facebook advertising for the most part and to announce that we were opening the store. And what we did was we did a, a Facebook likes campaign for local people on our page. And, and, and we did a Facebook event ad for the grand opening local event. And they were both local advertising. So we were kind of hitting it from both angles of, hey, we're a new game store like our page. And hey, we're a new game store, join our grand opening event. Those were the ads that all everyone locally was seeing at the time. And I think that played a huge part in getting the awareness out there. I would say w one other thing we did, and I just thought of this, was we posted in a couple local Facebook groups for parents or moms of the local area. And we saw a lot of those people come in actually in the in the local the local facebook group like it was moms of certain school districts that were in the area things like that were the names of the facebook groups and we posted a bunch of those saying hey we're having a grand opening we have a ton of these games and stuff for kids that you might want to bring your kids in to see and stuff like that on this this weekend coming up and we got a lot of good responses from that too that's definitely something that a lot of stores uh either don't think about the, the fact that there are these parent groups like there's probably dozens of them for almost every single major city but they're sometimes scared of posting in a group like that and saying hey i've got a store you know that sells products that your kids would probably love maybe you should come check us out uh usually because they think maybe they're being you know intrusive or they don't want to be spammy or something like that did you get any negative response or was it all just generally okay positive you know yeah, we didn't, we didn't get any negative response, and we got, we got a ton of positive response because I think on that post, on one of the, the biggest parent group in the area, I think we had 20 or 25 comments just on that post alone saying they were interested in checking us out. So that was, that was a pretty big deal. And what we prefaced it was, just to be sure, because I, I sometimes had that same fear, I just prefaced the group or the post in the beginning. I said, hey, if this isn't allowed, please delete this. But here it is. We're opening a new. It'd be great if you guys, you know, support a local, a new local business that's opening. And we didn't have any. No one cared from around that. They just wanted. They were just excited that a new place was opening in the local area. That's perfect. That's a great strategy for store owners to to keep in mind. Like maybe maybe there are other groups that uh, they could be reaching out to. And f like I said, it's a. It doesn't cost you anything, right? It's a very low low cost, low amount of energy and effort to just join a group and just say, hey, hey, we exist. Maybe you should come check us out. 
Yeah. And it could get you really great results. You just kind of got to get over that, uh, maybe that initial hump, that mindset of like, oh, I don't want to interrupt people or I don't want to upset anyone by telling, telling them about my business. I don't want to appear like I'm, I'm scamming or, or spamming them or something like that. Cause I feel like yeah. that is a, that's a very common, common mindset is that, uh, they don't want to feel like they're interrupting people or getting in the way. It's the same thing as, uh, I, like I, I'm assuming, you know, if you've been in advertising for a while, you're pretty cool with sales and selling and the idea of, <laughs> yes. you know, communicating your value and, and trying to get somebody to, to purchase from you. Uh, that's not necessarily the case for a lot of store owners, right? Usually they don't come from a sales background. So the idea of having a sales conversation is, uh, somewhat kind of weird for a lot of them. Uh, but I think that's probably one of the biggest skills, one of the biggest uh, hurdles that they should try to get past and just be comfortable with talking to people about, you know, this is what I do. This is what I sell. Uh, here's where you can support us and buy from us. And we'd really appreciate it if you did. Uh, and, and I always just think of what's, I always think of what's the worst that could happen whenever I mm. do something like that or I get nervous about it. I always think of all the different scenarios, all the worst things. Okay, well, they could one, they could delete the post, right? Okay, that wasn't so terrible. I'm out, I'm out a few minutes of writing this post and typing it. They deleted it. The next best, the next worst thing that could happen, I guess, is a bunch of people just post on the post and kind of trash my idea or say, this place is terrible. I can't believe you're posting this here. I don't know. They, they call me something bad. Like The mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so if Ego, if that happens, I will just delete the post myself because I made it. That's not, that's not. And then I think of, okay, and the next thing that happens is some people could come in the store, maybe, and no one says anything. They just come in because they saw it. And then the best thing that could happen is a bunch of people comment and engage on it and they really like it. So I think of all those scenarios and I'm, oh, really, it's not that bad. Like, none of these scenarios are really horrible once you actually think about what's the worst outcome that could happen when you think of those things or even selling in general. That's fascinating. I love... Like, I like the fact that you have merged a lot of what you've learned from your prior business and then taken that and, you know, kind of uh, created this hybrid model of a game store. So you've, you've adapted and uh, implemented the, the technologies that are available right now and use that to really uh, kind of like kick this thing off. I want to talk a little bit about the online side of things. So you mentioned about the fact that you have a slightly different perspective on the game store model. And you thought that that might be uh, contrary to some other game store owners' perspectives. Uh, since you are an online store first, that's your primary business model, and the brick and mortar is an extension of it. One, one big thing for us in the beginning, too, was we wanted to make sure that our, our brick and mortar, I think if you saw it, I should... I should get like a video or pictures out now that it's actually done from last week, I guess it is super nice. Like we wanted to make sure that we built a super nice place. If, if we were going to do this and we were going to do a lot online, we also weren't going to just be, Hey, let's just have a 20 square foot. I hate to say it like a hole in the wall and in, in the front and a giant warehouse in the back. You know, I didn't want that to be that. We wanted to build an actual community. We wanted to run game nights. We wanted to run events. We wanted to invest in those things and in staff members that could that could help people that are interested in this industry and, and want a place to go. And we already have, it's insane to me how many regulars we already have in that four months. People that come multiple times a week 
already to our store. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we wanted to build. We wanted to build a local community and we wanted to invest in the local community. And then on the flip side, we knew that we were primarily going to be an online business. And we said, if we're going to primarily be an online business, at least we can do something for the community at the same time. So we, we pretty much thought that, hey, our business as it grows is probably going to be about 80% online and 20% in store, most likely, if we grow the online the right way. And just because the market is huge, like the market is so much wider online versus in store, you can only grow so much in store. And we really made the goal of we would be okay if, if our local brick and mortar store took in about a million dollars a year in revenue. That's our like goal for the brick and mortar store. We think that's around what our market can sustain. There's a few other game stores here that are, there's one that's also fairly large. And we thought that that would be a good goal for us where more so our online could be six, you know, six million, seven million dollars a year running the online side of the business. And that's some of our ambitious goals over the next three years is to get to that point. And, and we, we think we can do that, but we have heavily invested in really marketing and advertising and, and trying to build our brand online. Really the, the local side of it has been, we, we do local, really our advertising has been around events for local and the rest of our advertising has been around buying products online and things like that or selling online. And we've done a lot of different things. We've partnered with influencers and those kind of things to sell our products online too. So outside of this Facebook group that we talked about before that you kind of like, you, you grew this Pokemon Facebook group and then you, you leverage that into turning that into a store. So outside of this group that you've got, I'm assuming it's still still growing, you're still using it, you're still involved, and it's still a constant source of uh, customers and you know interest in sales and, and that sort of thing. Uh, what other ways are you getting the, the brand out there? What are you, what are you doing to like, make the online store you know, bigger? What are, you, what are you doing to grow it? You can get a digital marketing strategy created for your game store in the next 24 hours that gives you the blueprint for generating new sales and customers on autopilot. All you have to do is go to maniversaga.com forward slash LGS and put in your information and we'll put together a 90-day marketing plan that covers how to optimize your website for organic traffic, how to capture people on an email list that lets you sell to them again and again, what to post on social media so your game store stays top of mind for your customers, and how to run Facebook and Google ads that sell like crazy. If you want to be able to make sales 24 hours a day and reach new customers outside of your existing community, you need to make digital marketing a priority for your business. And you can kick off your digital marketing strategy by going to manorsaga.com forward slash LGS. We do, we do a multiple of things. So one of the big things we've, we've always done is email marketing. We've, we now have an email list of about, I think it's 22,000 people is on our email list now for our online store. And we've, we've, always done that since we've grown we did one email blast um i forgot it was like a pokemon promotion once we did an email blast i forget when it was but we did an email blast and did like 20 grand in sales and people are like email's dead like all this (laughs) stuff i'm like well we just made twenty thousand dollars off one email it didn't cost us anything so Mm -hmm. no it's not (laughs) um so so i've been banging that drum for a while now too (laughs) (laughs) so so that's definitely been a big big part of it and I would say too that um, we do we do some Google ads. So Google Shopping ads has been another mm-hmm. one that we do some of. And 
we, we run some Google Shopping ads. We've worked with one major influencer who we partnered with in about of July of last year. Mm-hmm. And his, his name is A-Drive, and he's one of the biggest like Pokemon YouTubers, Twitch streamers out there. And so we started doubling our traffic when we partnered with him around, mm. oh, kind of, like, it might have been not quite double, but close to doubling our traffic when we started working with him. And, and that happened in July of last year. And then we also, another big one that we've been doing is, is SEO. So we've optimized the website very well. And I think we rank in the top 10 for about, gosh, I got to say a couple hundred keywords now. And, and people might not know what we're talking about, but um, at this time, but we pretty much when you type something into Google and and I'm curious where we show up today, but for example, Pokemon cards for sale, I think we're pretty high up in general in Google. We were, yeah, we're still on the first page just for Pokemon cards for sale in general. We're still above Best Buy and Walmart and stuff like that. Um, Beautiful. I love that. It's funny because my last recording the episode that i recorded and published before this interview was about seo and the fact that you can you can compete with those kinds of companies like you don't have to uh like as a game store there are ways to you know rank for keywords that still matter that actually will actually drive sales to your business and you don't have to feel like like you mentioned that people think email is dead people think seo is impossible that like oh yeah, yeah. you're never going you're never going to beat uh, board game geek or you're never going to ever outcompete uh, you know certain websites so you know there's no reason to put any effort into it so again I love it and I think I, I think those are the major things that I'm thinking. I feel like if I'm forgetting something but but those are definitely one of some of the the major things that we're we're doing right now are those those categories and we're planning on ramping that up. Um, we're actually hiring a full-time marketing person right now that um, I'm going to be working with and training just because running the business side of, side of things has taken its time away from me running the marketing side of things. And we know that needs a little more a little more nurturing there. So I've been able to send as many emails as I want or things like that mm. um, or partner with as many influencers or, or run as many Facebook ads and those kind of things. So we're it does take pretty time. far down the road. Yeah, we're pretty far down the road of hiring someone to help do that full time. And that's, I mean, I mean, some people, it's tough because we, I mean, we're probably spending like six to eight grand a month right now on, on marketing, you know, and, and content, like writing content, creating content, mm-hmm. um, paying for ads, things like that on different platforms, which is, it's mostly Facebook and Google and Facebook. We're usually mostly using for local. We're advertising mostly locally, local events come to our, come to like local or local, uh, we'll boost when we have a new release that we think is popular for Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or something, but just in store local around the Syracuse area. And we notice every time we advertise, and this is sometime to me, it even still surprises me. Every week we advertise on Facebook locally, we have a busier weekend than if I wasn't advertising on Facebook that week. We can't really tie it directly. It's really hard to capture mm-hmm. that direct, oh, Facebook did this, but we've noticed the trend of every time we're not advertising that week, we have a slower weekend. Yep. And I'm just, okay, well, I guess it's not as rocket science as we thought. Let's keep boosting posts and things for n- new releases or, or events happening 
you know, on this weekend or whatever. Yeah. That's the funny, funny thing. The, the nice thing about digital marketing is that usually there is a way to track it back to a specific activity. Like, you know, Facebook gives you a lot of data. You can see when somebody actually made a, pur- or made a purchase on your site. There's all kinds of ways to be like, this ad resulted in this thing, right? This action. But sometimes it's, it's literally like, I'm just putting some money into this thing and the message gets out there and then sales go up later on. And you kind of have to, you know, you, you have to just sort of like look at the bar graph and be like, okay, so here's where it's slightly ticked up. Okay, there's probably something happening here, right? At this particular day when we started doing something. It's not necessarily like you can't say it's exactly going to be this ad is what drove these people to come into the store, but you can kind of get a feel for it. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun mix because it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of sleuthing to try and be like, okay, what, what's really working, what's actually driving, you know, results for the store. And then also sometimes it's like, oh, it's actually this exact thing is working perfectly. Let's double down on this one thing. Yes. So uh, fun. It's a fun, fun hobby, fun pastime uh, marketing. At least when it works. When it doesn't work, it's miserable. When you're like, I've tried everything. It's not, nothing's <laughs> that's happening. That's, uh, that's not much fun. But uh, when, it's, when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, it's a good time. I wanted to actually ask a question about the influencers because that was the, something that uh, I don't think almost anyone is really doing in terms of uh, brick and mortar. Uh, but since you're an online-focused store and you have essentially a global reach, almost, right? Yeah. Largely, yeah. you could sell to anyone and anywhere if you wanted to operate your, your business that way. Uh, when you, like, why did you partner with this particular YouTuber? You know, how hard was it to, like, some of the details. Like, how, how, I know you can't reveal everything, but uh, what was the process like that? You know, and obviously it was worth it. It was well worth the effort to, to coordinate with this person and, and find something, find a deal that works for everybody. But what did that kind of look like? This is going to sound crazy because this story is, it's going to make it sound, I don't want people to think that opportunity just falls on everyone's laps um, or that I, I think you really, the more work you do, the more opportunities you have. So I think like we're working our butt offs. We were ranking in Google for things like Pokemon cards for sale or Pokemon cards online, things like that. When you, when you searched all these things, we, we put in the effort to rank in Google early on. That was one of our first things we did. And we started ranking really well. So in June, we got an email that said, hey, my name is A-Drive, I'm this, <laughs> okay. I'm this streamer, and and um, um, some of my other deals fell through, I'm looking for you know new, new partnerships, things like that. And I, I read it and I was like this, I knew who he was. So I was like, the, we watched him sometimes too on, on Twitch and stuff because he's one of the larger Twitch streamers for Pokemon. And we're big Pokemon fans. So I was like, no, this is fake. This is, there's no way this is real. <laughs> and because we get so many spam emails like that all the time. It's just like mm-hmm. fake things. We can help you do blah, blah, blah with your business. And yeah, IT professionals from India for blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. And, and I, I ignored it for a day and I went back to it and I was like, Man, what if this thing is real though? Because it seemed a little, it seemed a little different. It was like a longer email. It seemed a little more. And I emailed back and was like, "Hey, thanks for reaching out. Interested in chatting sometime." And he emailed me back like right away with his phone number, and 
and we hopped on a call probably the next day and he pretty much said i want to come to syracuse i'm going to drive to syracuse i think he lives actually lives pretty far away it must have been like a six or seven hour drive for him Hmm. and he said i'm going to come next week i want to see what you guys are doing and and to the to the place we had previously built like our kind of like storefront there in in Shenango. and he came out we met him everything worked really well we had the attorneys write up the agreements and kind of away we went about a month later and we we announced and, and launched the whole thing and and we've been selling a lot of pokemon boxes ever since then uh, but that was a very different way I wouldn't repeat that the way, the same way we did with him over and over again. Cause now he is a, if he reaches certain goals, he's going to become a minority owner in this business too. So like if we reach certain Pokemon sales Ooh. goals, so it was stipulations around sales goals and sales and staying with us for so long and all these things, it was a much more intricate. Yeah. It I wasn't guess, just sponsored posts or be like, yeah, you know, say mention the store or something like that and we'll give you a booster box or something. It wasn't yeah, simple. There's a lot to it. Yeah, there was a lot to this one. And because he was a much bigger, I mean, he has almost a million subscribers on YouTube, almost mm. a million followers on Twitch, much bigger yep. size of, of influencer. And and now I'll say today, we average probably forty to 60,000 visitors a month to our website to give everyone an average of like the size we've grown to in, that, in about that year time. And I think today we would do stuff with influencers. We want to work with more influencers. That's one of our game plans this year. But I think we would do much more, much less intricate agreements, I would say. So when we do them, we might, we even have the plan of doing things of just spontaneously sending booster boxes to Pokemon streamers that open booster boxes and just genuinely saying, Hey, this is for you guys. You don't have to shut us out. If you want to, you can. We just really enjoy your streams. Here's a booster box for you. And we think genuinely, if we do that, we're going to get much more response. And we don't have to go through the whole thing of getting attorneys involved and agreements and who's going to pay what and what time. Hey, you never posted my video. You told me you were going to post. It's just... But on the same time, you have to have the product to be able to do that, too. <laughs> like, you have to get to the sense yeah. of, of doing that kind of thing. But I do think, and, and maybe I can report back how well it does after we start doing it, but that that's more the route we're going to be going in the future versus creating these really big agreements with the influencers and, and working with them that way. That makes sense. And I'm sure you're not going to, you know, connect with too many million follower, million subscriber level influencers, right? Uh probably a lot yeah. more on the on a lower level where it's it's a little bit easier to to engage with them and and get them to do something that's beneficial for everybody. But uh that that's just one thing that's that's one of those, you know, messier marketing activities because it's it's really like it's person to person. It's trying to figure out a way that you know, you're not just putting money on an ad or something like that, or, you know, which is simple. There's no you, there's almost no humans involved. It's really you just put it up there and it happens. It's automated. Uh Working with an influencer is a far more complicated marketing activity. So I was just curious to, like, how it happened. But I think that puts another little feather in the cap of SEO in the sense that you you kind of, you know, you had things set up so that they started coming to you, right? You'd put in the work that created that opportunity for this person to find you in the first place. Whereas 
otherwise, you know, otherwise you're going out there, you're hunting them down to try and uh, try and build a relationship that way, which is a little bit different. Yeah. That's, uh, again, fantastic. Super cool. I love this kind of stuff. I love talking about the, the meat and potatoes, the, the mechanics of the marketing side of things. Uh, so I think this kind of leans into the next question, which is, you know, what would, uh, what's your favorite, like, tech or tool that you're using to really, like, build your business? I would just say our, our Shopify in general. <laughs> we use Shopify for both POS and online. That's our, that's our platform for selling. And I know a lot of people have said things about it. It it gets expensive with all the extra apps and all those things you can add Mm -hmm. to it. But so many times I look at those expenses as a, as a necessity or marketing expense, I guess I would say, where if it's going to benefit our customers and us, I'm okay spending, you know, $50, $100 for some of those apps every month. If they're going to generate X number of, of new sales or reoccurring business or revenue or people, a lot of people don't look at it in that way, I think. And we have a lot of apps on our Shopify account. I think right now we'd probably spend, gosh, probably $1,000 a month for both Shopify and all the apps we have, you know, from, from all those things that we do. Sure. But if it's, if it's responsible for, <laughs> for generating, you know, a large number of sales, uh, that thousand bucks, like it's just looking at the cost is, uh, it doesn't tell the whole story, right? If you can spend a thousand dollars to make $10,000, would you do it? Probably, right? Probably. But tying the cost of the apps and the, and the cost of the platform to additional sales is uh, part of the challenge. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've spoken about Shopify a lot recently. And the one thing that, uh, usually comes up and I, I don't know if, if we mentioned it or not, but uh, Shopify is great for almost all e-commerce except for singles sales. Selling single cards is not the greatest platform for because, you know, the, the skew counts and that kind of thing. It's a little bit more challenging. Uh, do you have something else that takes care of that or do you just, you know, make it work? Yeah, we don't, we don't sell our singles through uh, Shopify. We actually do it through TCG Player. <laughs> So we have a, we have the TCG Player kiosk in store, and we use the TCG Player platform, and we use their mass price tool, and we that's where we list all of our our singles on that platform instead. Because it's you're right, Shopify is just not it's not it's built not, for that. Um, no, <laughs> it's not really built for that for the most part. That's been the issue that we've had. Gotcha. Yeah, I knew somebody was gonna you know ask that question and be like, well, what is, you know, how do they do that? Is, is that even a possibility? How did they figure this out? Uh, so I just wanted to c- clarify that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess one of the follow-ups would be since you've just launched the store, you've had a, uh, you know, it's fresh in your mind in a sense. It's only a few months past. Uh, if somebody else was thinking about, okay, I'm going to launch my store. I'm building towards, you know, opening a store somewhere in the U.S. or somewhere in Canada. I'm a few months out. What should they be thinking about right now? I think really, I think honestly, it's building the presence in the brand already. If you're three months out of opening, I think it's very much, you don't want to wait till the week before to say, hey, we're guys, we're launching a store in a week. Yeah. You very much want to be building something, even if you're just building the hype on a Instagram page or you know, a Facebook page or something like that to get people following you 
and following that you're going to be opening soon. So I can think of I can think of multiple ways people could do something interesting of, hey, we're gonna do a small it could be a very small giveaway every week or every two weeks as you follow our page to our followers as we're building the hype of growing, you know, opening our store in three months or four months. And I really think that's something that people neglect until they open the store. They they like to open the store and then tell everyone they're open. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big mistake everyone makes is not building that that presence and that following locally beforehand. I definitely agree. That's that's usually what I, I tell people as well is is focus on uh building your email list leading up to it, getting in getting like getting into contact with as many people as possible so that you they know what you're doing. Uh, you know, starting your social media profiles prior to the existence of the business, like create your page, you know, post about the, the fact that you are opening, you know, tell the story of what you're doing, you know, showcase the build out of your space. Like there's so many things that you could talk about yeah. to get people excited about the fact that there's this new, great, awesome store that you're building that's going to be open soon. And that if you want people to be, you know, pumped and excited and ready to go to the thing that you're about to open and launch, you have to let them know. So I think that's a really that's a good message, message for people who are uh, who are in their planning stages right now. Yeah. The other thing is order your fixtures eight months ahead of time because that's not the lead <laughs> time for those right now. <laughs> good advice. Hopefully that uh, hopefully that sorts itself out over the next year or so, and that's not going to be you know the case going forward forever. Eventually, the supply chain hopefully you know evens out, and uh, it's not we too crazy. Hope forever but uh, yeah as it is right now that's definitely a good idea plan ahead for that kind of thing for sure so yeah i already i think i think that's great <laughs> i think in general that's a, a fantastic uh uh set of uh set of advice i really like what you guys are doing i think the the launch went really well i'm curious though i wanted to i know i normally i end this interview with the idea of uh the the main thrust of the podcast is is building a successful business. What does it take to get there, to build a successful game store? What does that look like? Uh, So success, though, is a pretty ambiguous term. It's very personal, subjective. It depends on, you know, what you're trying to achieve a lot of the time. Uh, So I am curious as to, you know, what success looks like for you, both online and offline. And then, you know, what's your, like, five-year vision for this, uh, this venture that you've got going on? I think it is a little different for for me because I've done this. I've built I've built businesses before, and and they've become pretty successful. So we have very ambitious goals in terms of revenue, at least in the in the next five years. We see this being a ten million dollar business for us, um, which might be unfathomable to some people. You know, actually, it's our th- it's our four year goal is to become a ten million dollar business. Um, with our projections that we have projected out. And I mean, th- this year alone, our goal is about four and a half million um, in revenue. And we're almost almost close to doubling from last year what we want to do, you know, with our first year in business. And that, that includes online and retail sales for the most part. Our our retail business, we can't we we can see it doing retails count. You know, you're, you're going to be capped by your market at some point. And I think us doing about a million, a million two in sales every year in retail is, is where I think around where we would be or where we could be capped at. 
And I think the rest is going to come from the online. And that's why we really wanted to do that was because we have this really grand ambitious idea to build a lifestyle brand around tabletop gaming. <laughs> so eventually we want to be, I don't know if anyone has heard of kind of comparing it to the brands of Jim, uh, Jim shark or G fuel and mm-hmm. partnering with, but for the tabletop gaming industry where we're coming up with our own apparel, we're coming up with our own products, um, products in terms of we might be making, you know, card sleeves or top loaders or manufacturing those things ourselves in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. Our own hoodies, like all those kind of our our own backpacks that hold board games, those kind of things is all things that we want to do in the future to grow that business and that brand. And we want to partner with a lot of influencers and people to get there to say, Hey, like they, they really care about the, the market and the tabletop gaming industry and they're creating all these really cool things for us and they're creating these these events. So one thing that I didn't mention was we have plans for the summer coming up with, with A-Drive and some of our bigger influencers that will come here. We're going to have like food trucks and we're going to make a destination event with our store cool. and I do a bunch of things. We're going to do a live stream with it, all this kind of stuff to gather more of that that hype and that that marketing around that type of thing. So I think that's also can build, that's going to be part of our building our brand. And so we have some super ambitious goals, more a little different than, than normal game stores. And it's not just going to be centered around like, I would say this could also be unpopular. It's not just going to be centered around just like magic, the gathering or something, or like trading cards all the time. Um, we do, we want those things and we want to offer a lot of those things. We want to sell a lot of those things, but we also want to have a lot of different categories with those things like our, our apparel, our own brands or, or things like that, that are happening. Accessories, that kind of stuff. That's cool. I like that. That's a, no one's ever said that before on the podcast and I don't think anyone's working towards that. So uh, if you can pull that off, that would be a, I think a big boon to the industry in general. Like that's something that I feel like is missing. And I, again, I think you're right on the, the, the trend wave right now, right? Because people, the last two years have really uh, changed people's perceptions of tabletop gaming in general, right? It's now become more accepted. It's more mainstream. People are becoming more exposed to it, you know, having to have, you know, sheltered in place or isolated for a very long time. They kind of got, uh, they got exposed to the, the different board games that are beyond, you know, the monopolies and the scrabbles and the, just the, the different worlds that are available and finding out that it's a, it's a really good hobby. It's fantastic. There's a lot of really good aspects of board gaming and tabletop gaming besides the friendship and the, and the human connection. Like there's, there's other stuff that's happening and it's uh yeah, I feel like if you can, you know, if you're in, in a really good spot to maybe launch the unplugged uh, lifestyle brand, I think that's a really cool idea. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, we're super excited to get there. And and you can kind of see it. The, the only other thing I can compare it to now, too, is, is look at what Critical Role has done in the tabletop gaming industry. They've done that. They've built that brand. Yeah. They've made their own products. They've made their own TV shows. Like, they've gone, they've they've done that whole type of media. And, and so it can be done in this industry, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Maybe just just needs the right mix of... Uh personality and effort i think and maybe expertise to make it happen so i feel like you got uh, you got got a good base to to make a good go of this thing we're gonna try try our best to do it <laughs> awesome 
All right. So before we wrap up, where can people go to find out more about you and Unplugged? Where you know, plug Unplugged. Yeah, you can you can check us out if if you just Google search Unplugged Gaming, we all of our social comes up, our website comes up. Our website is unpluggedgamestore.com. You can you can see everything there. I personally don't have social media like social media accounts to connect with. I haven't gone down <laughs> that road a road of building a personal brand um, yet. I don't know if I will in the future. I was like, oh, I could start this, but I'm too busy. Um, so really <laughs> focused on on the brand Unplugged Gaming for the most part right now. Awesome. All right. And all those links will be in the show notes so people can find them. Uh, any closing words of advice for anyone listening who, you know, maybe they're in the planning stages or maybe they're, they've been open for a long time. Uh, do you have any, you know, last gems of wisdom to drop on people? I think the biggest thing for me is just, just always, always be learning. <laughs> so o- always learning new things. Stuff is always changing when it comes to, to retail, to marketing, to getting customers in the door, to product trends. If you're not continuously cycling your knowledge and learning new things, then you're going to stay stagnant. And I don't think now with how the world is, you can't stay stagnant. <laughs> so, so always, always learn new things is my biggest takeaway. Perfect. I think that is a great place to wrap up the podcast because that's essentially what this thing's all all about: learning new things and and uh, getting new skills and hopefully opening doors of opportunity. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and giving us your time, your thoughts, your experiences. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope everyone else did too. I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That is it for today's episode of the podcast. If what Jake talked about didn't get you excited about the possibilities and power of digital marketing, honestly, I don't know what could. Jake has successfully launched both an online store and a brick-and-mortar location during two of the nuttiest years for the industry. And right now, Unplugged Gaming is absolutely killing it. Some of that success is good fortune, of course, but it's mostly due to the fact that Jake has made marketing the business one of the foundational pillars, and he has taken advantage of all the technology that's available right now. There's nothing stopping you from doing the exact same thing for your game store. If you put in the time to learn the strategies, your game store can leverage the exact same tools that Jake used to do nearly $15,000 in sales on his first day, and over $2 million in online sales his first year. And if you want someone to help you implement those strategies, you can become a client of the Maniverse Marketing Agency right now. Head to maniversaga.com forward slash s and get your digital marketing strategy built for you in the next 24 hours. Find out how you can make 2022 your best year yet. Thanks again for listening to today's show. My name is Tom Traplin, and I've been your host. And I will talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast.